Hi, folks. How are you? It's Friday. Good morning. Good morning. JV, you look so perky for a Friday. It's unbelievable. How, how are you this perky? Uh, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, Frank. As you, as you know and others may know, I went to the Red Hot Chili Peppers show here in Orlando, which started two hours late because of thunderstorms, and it rained pretty much through the first two hours of the opening acts and all that, but it was a really fun time, and I am here because D3 football fans demand us to be ready to go on Friday mornings to preview week three. Hold on. Let's uh, take a look at what you were involved with last night. Oh, hold on. It will require a little audio, I think. We, we may rerun this in a second, folks, but you can see it, it was a pretty crazy time. Actually, we may not rerun it because I, I don't want to get DMCA'd on uh, Facebook either. Yeah. Yeah, right. Ellie, Ellie says that's enough of the rock music. Yeah. There she goes. So anyway, uh, it seems like a good time. Seems like Ellie's having a ball in the background there, and uh, you, you tell her I miss her. But uh, JB, it seems like a quieter week this week. Uh, am I wrong with that, or uh, you know, just uh, going through all the games, it seemed like yeah, this might be the kind of break week a lot of teams kind of built in. Yes and no. I mean, there's a couple of big conference games still that are going to be kicking off the season that are going to have an impact on the playoffs. So, yeah, I'd say probably 90% of this weekend. Ellie, come on. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, we're talking about five to ten really big games, but a lot of other stuff flying under the radar. There's some random trophies up, up for grabs this weekend, Frank. The Transit Trophy, which... We might talk about in a little bit. There's the maple sap bucket that's up for grabs this weekend. So, you know, still some stuff going on in D3. Well, you've uh, sometimes been called sappy as a co-host. So, hey, maybe the maple sap bucket will be right up your alley. I'll just leave it at that. If you get Ellie, uh, I will uh, get us to a uh, theme song. Hey, Ellie. Hey, Ellie. <laughs> this is season 15 of In the Huddle. vicious attack dog. Try to get our technology to work right here. Uh, we're going to go right into our uh, games here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not Gavin Gray. I'm not sure. Uh, that, that is coming up on this show, just so you know, folks. Gavin Gray will be yes. coming up here. So uh, get ready for that to happen. But, uh, JB, let's uh, talk about uh, Regions 1 and 2 to start things off here real quick. Yeah, so we get a couple games tonight. Morsel State's going to try to go 3-0 and for... I don't know. It might be the first time in a while. Um, Westcon is, is going to Westfield State. But mostly the games on Saturday are going to be conference play. Muhlenberg versus Usinus, which gave Hopkins a good run for their money. A little out-of-conference out stuff with Montclair State, Salve, Union Springfield, Widener-Wilkes. 
But Grove City at Carnegie Mellon, I think, is going to be the biggest game of Region 2 this weekend. Really exciting matchup between two strong teams. Grove City has the offense. Carnegie Mellon has the defense. Utica Western New England is interesting. SUNY Maritime against Merchant Marine. we got NESCAC kicking off with Trinity and Tufts, Middlebury Amherst. Framingham State versus Mass Dartmouth is basically the de facto MassCAC championship game, in my opinion. Whoever wins that will probably go to the playoffs. I feel like it's going to be the Rams. We'll do some picks later on. Take it from there. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, panoply of games, uh, to be sure. And I would tell you uh, that, you know, realistically, light pickings, but the couple of games that are there that are strong games, no doubt the Framingham State game, the yeah. UMass Dartmouth, uh, you know, legacy that's going on there in terms of those two teams just battling it out. You know, UMD, remember, lost to Anna Maria in that uh, score fest uh, last week. Yeah. Uh, Framingham State had a nice win versus St. John Fisher. And so, you know, it's setting up like Framingham State should run over them. But it never turns out that way when it's these two teams playing. Uh, Grove City, Carnegie Mellon, I actually called the game of the week on uh, D3Football.com. I know there are other games, but this is... Yeah. This is going to begin to solve the pack in the five-way race that may exist in the pack this season. So that's why I did that. Uh, so yeah, as we great. as we go along here, let's uh, look at uh, your regions three and four games as well, and uh, I'll let you take it away from here. Well, obviously the 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 headliner is Whitewater coming down here to Georgia looking for a soul to steal, as they say, um, get your fiddles out. But yeah, Barry is going to host the number four team in the country. But there's other some, you know, other good games in three and four. Shenandoah versus Maryville is interesting. I mean, Maryville hasn't won yet, but they've challenged in both of their games. Baldwin Wallace versus John Carroll, the, the Cleveland teams that won't exactly refer to each other by name, the, the, the other team from University Heights, or I think they called it. Hope versus Mount Joseph, Mount St. Joe's is good. Howard Payne versus Hendricks. Trine versus Franklin. These are all great games that we can see this weekend. But obviously, as we picked them, you know, UW-Dub versus Barry. And, uh, oh, you, you like Trine versus Franklin over uh, Baldwin Wallace and JCU? I, I, I did it more not to pick uh, the identical to you. It, it's an important game, no doubt. Uh, but uh, also Ohio Northern versus Heidelberg, which does not appear on this slide, I think is a pretty uh, big game. Uh, I missed that one. That's, that's my bad. But, yeah. But, uh, Sorry, look, there, Donaldson. there are a lot of uh, big games. Sprints afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I, and actually, uh, I might have uh, picked on that game a little bit in some of the columns and quick hits. that it's, uh, If it hasn't already been published, it will be published soon on D3Football.com. Uh, but... Yes, sir. But uh, no, again, kind of slimmer pickings overall in week three for the or in uh, region three uh, for the second straight week, and they're going to start to ratchet things up uh, starting in week four. Uh, the Barry game is going to be interesting to watch. Uh, which Wisconsin Whitewater team will show up? Because we've seen two of them. Realistically, we've seen two of them this season. Yeah. So and 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 Frank, I, this you know being more of a playoff savvy guy than me i mean let's say barry doesn't win the saa and they're sec so they have so they're eight and two remember we talked last week about eight and two teams making the playoffs if they give whitewater a good run for their money 
and they don't win the SAA, let's say Trinity wins the SAA, wouldn't Barry be a pretty solid Pool C team if they can show up this weekend? I mean, this this game is important for, for the Vikings to play their you-know-what's-off because they could still get a playoff bid, potentially, right? I mean, yeah. I, look, anything is possible. The way the top teams uh, in different conferences have sort of eaten themselves up and cannibalized things here when uh, you look at what the Pool C future will look like because realistically Pool C scenarios are going to be you lose one of your conference games and you lose one of your out-of-conference games if you were looking at you as a, an 8-2 team you know, on the outside looking in. Uh, normally we think of you as a 9-1 team with that one conference loss because you didn't win your conference, but we are in a position here where I don't know if we're going to have enough quality teams and nine and one ultimately to look at just nine and one teams that eight and two teams are going to probably be prevalent enough and uh, necessary enough to look at that a team like Barry if they were to lose this in a close game and lose a game to Trinity let's say uh, just out of you know pulling things out of thin air for scenarios uh, they could indeed be looked at as a strong eight and two team look uh, the SAA did pretty well for itself last year when it came to being in the playoffs with two teams. So, yeah, it, it's not out of the realm. So, we wanted to talk to, uh, as we teased on our uh, screen here a little bit ago by accident, uh, one Gavin Gray, a former guest of In the Huddle, and he had a lot to say about the situation with respect to uh, this game against Whitewater this weekend and Barry's disappointing 2021 and hopes for a not-so-disappointing 2022. Gavin, thanks for joining us. And uh, by the way, you know, we, we dug back into the archives. This is not your first appearance on our show. Uh, back in 2020, I think it was March of 2020, actually. Here is Gavin Gray back then, and uh, here he is. Uh, back then, he was uh, preparing to win uh, the spring uh, title for the conference, the SAA, and uh, great job there. But... Fall 2021 didn't turn out as well as spring 2021 did, Gavin, and probably some disappointment on your team about how things played out ultimately. Tell us about 2021 and what you and your team learned from it that's going to make 2022 a different year in your minds. Um, I think the biggest thing is we learned how to handle adversity. Um, you know, when things weren't going our way um, in 2021, maybe we didn't handle the situation as we should have. Um, so coming into this year, our, our mindset is, is clear. There's, um, we're focused on one goal and that's winning a conference championship. So taking the lessons we've learned, um, in 2021 and applying it this year, um, I, I don't think we're going to have the same year that we had in 2021. Well, you're off to a two and zero start. I think you guys put up 56 points in, in week two. So it seems like the, the offense is clicking. Uh, last season, you guys went up to Wisconsin to play the Warhawks. This year, they're coming down to Valhalla Stadium. What did you guys learn from that experience in playing up in Wisconsin, and, and how can you apply it to this weekend's big game? Um, we learned that, the, I mean, the, the top teams play a different type of football, and um, that's not a type of football that you usually see uh, down south. Um, so it was, a, it was a great learning experience getting to go up there. Um, Seeing how the top the top teams play, uh, we we learned that the speed of the game picks up quicker, um, and so we're excited for them to come down here this year and get to see you know what what Barry's all about. Um, so again, taking that taking what we learned last year, especially when going up there um, and getting to 
to use that in, as fuel to the fire for this week. So, you know, games like that though, and we've been proponents of these, you know, reach games. I guess you could call them. You know, games against teams that are a little bit you know, maybe out of your reach to beat, but at least you're going to uh, put up a good effort and see what happens. And who knows? Any given Saturday, but. They can usually go one of two ways uh, when you play a game like that. They could either teach you a lot about yourself or you could possibly, you know, what's the best way to say it? Get distracted by the result and have it affect your season adversely. How do you think it affected you last year? Did you learn from that game, aside from the speed and the differentials between the teams? What did you learn about yourselves in that game a year ago? Uh, We learned to not look at look at the not to not look at the name on the front of the uh on the front of the jersey it was more um how how do we play how do we want to play and and focusing on ourselves and and not so much on what they do because if if you do that then you kind of you like you said you kind of get distracted you worry about them too much when really it's just uh you're playing football it's something you've done since you were little i mean sure the speed the physicality the strength that's all changing but at the end of the day it's still football um, I think that's something that we learned playing them last fall. Yeah, and, and one of the things I think that we've learned is we've gotten to know, you know, programs like Barry and conferences like the SAA is that you guys have really, uh, the competitive level is keep seem to be rising up. I mean, Barry had been kind of a, a long time standing uh, conference champ there for a while, but now we've got teams like Trinity, Birmingham Southern, others that are kind of getting into the mix. What do you what do you see from a sort of a conference three thousand foot view uh, of what's been going on uh, down here in the south? Um, I think you see more more people learning about Division three football. Um, I mean, just looking at uh, the football down here, it's usually it's either SEC or that's really all you hear about. Um, we have some D- Division two schools, but uh, for the most part, Division three is kind of on the back burner. Um, when looking up north, they don't have as many Division two schools, uh, and it's more Division three. Um, so I think uh, schools around here are starting to gain some rapport with uh, student athletes coming out of high school, and they're seeing that Division three is an opportunity to show their talents, especially when you have guys like uh, Mason Kinsey from Barry going to the NFL. Um, they realize it's not the end all be all Division three. If they're if they're talented enough, they can make it. Coach K, somebody we've chronicled before, his history at Grove City, uh, his friend Ty Gibson, uh, you know, the AD up there uh, has nothing but great things to say about his versatility as an athlete, as a football player back then. Uh, you and he uh, both were on our show, as I said, uh, you were, but so was he uh, a year and a half ago. What is it about him that has made this program such a cohesive unit, something that you've wanted to stick around and play for for as long as you have been there? What is it about Coach K specifically that you can share with the country you enjoy, you like about him? Uh, I mean, he's a player's coach. Uh, the door It's a two-way, two-way street. If, if you ever have any problems about what he's doing or what's going on, then you can always walk into that office and sit down and talk with him. And he's gonna he's gonna shoot you straight. Um, I think that's something that guys can appreciate. Um, he, he does a great job of making sure that everyone's involved. Um, after the games, you see him talking to every family. It it doesn't matter if they played or not. He's going around and he's making sure that he's showing he's showing everyone that he cares because he really does. And I think that's something that sticks with the families and the guys. And that's a coach you you ultimately want to play for. Absolutely. 
So, Gavin, um, we'll kind of take off the, the quarterback helmet for a second, and we'll, we'll now go to you as, as a local expert of Mount Berry, Georgia. And for the folks maybe coming down from Wisconsin or other parts of the country to see this game, I understand you guys are a little bit west of Atlanta, maybe close to the um, Blue Ridge Mountains. And, and so, you know, it's still pretty hot down here in Florida. I don't know if you guys get a little break from the heat because of uh, the elevation from the mount. But what is the what is the game day experience like there at at Valhalla? What a great name for a stadium! And I don't know if there's like a Thor mascot or somebody running around with a hammer or, or the immigrant song blasting or what. But what's what's game day going to be like for the fans that, that come to Mount Berry on Saturday? Uh, I mean, it's a fun and energetic uh, environment. I mean, you have families tailgating out. You have uh, a bunch of students. Ever all the students usually go to the games. Um, we, we do a Viking walk where they actually carry the axe. It's funny you mentioned that, carry a Viking axe into the stadium. Um, but, I mean, it's a fun, relaxed environment. Everyone's excited to support, you know, us. And the, I'm sure the fans of Whitewater will be happy to be able to be down here. Um, it, it's, it's a great game day experience. Uh, I look forward to it every Saturday we get to play at home. I love our fans. Regardless of the result on Saturday, there's still quite a season to go. Uh, SAA play will be in full effect. What is the success benchmark for Gavin Gray looking at his Barry team this year, now that you're uh, more of a leader than ever uh, of that team? What will define 2022 as whether it was a success or not when you look back at this season after it's all done? Um, I think a conference championship. I, I think you, you set that expectation high. Uh, we've won... We won five in a row up until last year, so I think that's that's kind of always the expectation. And um, anything less of that is kind of a failure. I mean, it, it doesn't matter about wins or losses. We just we just want the conference championship, and I think that's something that we realized last year. We got too caught up in, oh, we need to win this game. Like, we have to win this one. No, we should just go out play every game to win. Um, and at the end of the day, it's like we want the conference championship. I think I think that's that's all to be said. Well, looking at the schedule real quick, you know, this this game, you know, will we'll go down one way or another. But then it looks like you got a two-week break to prepare for your conference opener. Seems like that was the same thing as last year. Do you think having that extra week to prepare helps, or is it would it be better just to, to keep on going? Um, I think it I think it definitely helps, um, especially coming playing Whitewater, uh, which is kind of a um, – a big game for us. We always want, we want to take advantage of this opportunity, but then I think it's good to have that break so that you can refocus in for conference um, because I think conference is a little bit of a different mindset than, you know, the, your first three games, which are non-conference and may not impact uh, as much, not have as much of an impact on the, on the conference season as it does uh, when you play those conference games. So I think it's kind of, kind of a time that you can flip that switch and be like, okay, it was conference. Like let's, let's lock in let's do this thing now. So. Last question for you. Tell us about uh, that offensive line of yours, because uh, first off, if you didn't talk about them, uh, you would never hear the end of it as a quarterback, but uh, <laughs> you've got some experience there for sure. You've got uh, guys that are uh, willing to protect you. Your height, obviously compared to some quarterbacks may not be, uh, the same advantage that others would have out there. So they, they have an extra uh, big duty to protect you, to give you that line of sight that you need. Give us some information. Name names all you want. Uh, tell us about the O-line. Uh, I mean, I, I can't say enough about those guys. I, I love them to death. You got David Billiard, Max McMahon, Hayden Cagle, Terrence Thorpe, uh, Tony Garcia, and even some guys like Cole Summer that are hurt. 
but I can't say enough uh, enough about those guys. They do a, a, a crazy good job of protecting me. Um, they communicate, make sure everyone's on the same page. And I can't say enough about Coach Decora, who's the offensive line coach. Uh, he just came in this summer, and he's he's really um, changed the the mindset of the offensive line. It's not so much about uh, just holding up as much as it is about let's attack the defensive line and let's attack the linebackers whenever they want to step in the box. Um, so, I, again, I can't say enough about how good of a job they do. I mean, even my running backs, uh, Joshua, uh, Josh Rogers, uh, Brandon Cade, I mean, th- those guys hold up in pass, pass protection just as well as the offensive line. And I think it just speaks to Coach Decora, who, who knows what he's talking about and, and ultimately, at the end of the day, wants to protect me, uh, which is helping the football team um, and, and protecting those guys as well. Well, Frank, I think since Gavin's on such a good roll, we should just keep keep it going here. Um, as you kind of know our deal, Gavin, uh, we always like to give our student-athlete guests a chance to shout out any friends, family, teammates, coaches, et cetera. Uh, we've really had fun talking with you. Good luck on Saturday, but the floor is yours, Gavin Gray. Thank you. Uh, I guess I got to give a shout out to uh, Coach Dooling, his office coordinator, um, the schemes we run, I, I don't know how he comes up with them, but I mean, they're, they're awesome. It's, it's so quarterback friendly. Um, uh, obviously, Coach Cora, offensive line, my wide receivers, uh, DeAndre Wilson, Cam Kawa, uh, Bryce Herring, Michael Lucky. I mean, those guys are open every play. I, 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 I literally don't have an option that's, uh, that's covered, um, whether that's a bat getting out or one of those guys getting open. But I mean, um, even, even the whole team, uh, I, I, I can't say enough about this team. I feel like we're a unit. We're closer than ever, closer, the closest team that I think I've seen. Um, and that's a testament to, to Coach K, to the coaches, to the team, and, and what we really want to accomplish this season. So, You know, uh, you, you got to love his uh, real yeah. – uh, what's the word I'm going to look for here? Uh, his, his, compared to two years ago, or a year and a half ago, whenever it was when we had him on the show. Uh, he was a little he's timid, a but fun. Yeah, he's, he has matured a lot. But I, the answer about Wisconsin Whitewater last year and what they sort of saw in terms of the level of D3 football and the wherewithal to admit out loud, look, that's not the football we're used to. And we came out there and we basically, he didn't say it this way, but I, this is what I read into it. We got punched in the mouth with the speed and the strength and we didn't know really what to say or do about that in that situation. Now that they do know that, coming into this season with this game, they're 2-0, this could play out a little bit differently. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously having that prior experience will help them as far as expectations, I mean, at the end of the day, Whitewater is going to be bigger, stronger, and faster. I mean, they are pretty much compared to 236 other Division three teams out there, maybe. Um, and they just beat the number one team in the country. So they'll, they'll, they'll come in, you know, with a bit of a swagger and, and confidence. But Barry's experience of going up to Wisconsin, playing with these guys, for four quarters, they'll be they'll be more prepared. And it's their home court. Valhalla, they'll have Thor with the axe leading them into the thing, you know, <laughs> which is great. I love the I love the Viking uh, mascot in Valhalla Stadium. So I think it's going to be a better game this year. 
I think you're right. Uh, it'll, it'll be entertaining, I think, and uh, one to watch for, definitely. I will tell you which games I'm going to, but that is not one of them soon. But first, we have one more uh, grouping. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, the, the Frank Rossi, oh, I'm not going to travel this season as much since last year. Total BS. This guy has already gone to, what, three games in the four. first? Four in the first two weeks, and plus you're going to Texas next weekend. So, so much for that. Oh, I'm going to take it easy. Maybe it won't hit 20 games, but I think you're going to hit the, the teens, I'm sure. Let's go to regions five and six, where my friend James Baker will tell you about some games <laughs> yeah. here, and I'll explain why we differ on region six a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, Harden-Simmons and UW-Platteville is interesting. A little bird told me that the Cowboys have not left the state of Texas in nearly 10 years. Last time they went on the road for a game like this was 2013. Platteville coming off a big win over Bethel. Sure, they didn't have their starting quarterback, but they still won that game. And, um, and who knows? I mean, Harden-Simmons is, is trying to make a case to get back into the playoffs. UW Platteville is in the top 25. So is Harden Simmons. Redlands versus Linfield normally would be more exciting, but this year Redlands is 0 2. Kind of a letdown season. Illinois College. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't want to play that game. It's my game of the week. What are you doing over there? <laughs> uh, well, okay. So, so why, why is that your game of the week, Frank? Because, I mean, Redlands is really struggling, it seems. You know what? Linfield's game against Huntingdon is, still is in my mind, and I, I don't think Redlands has oh, really shown up yet. Okay. Yeah, they, Redlands okay. hasn't shown up yet. I think Redlands is a better team than what they're producing out there, and I think this could actually be a challenge game. I think this actually could be close. Uh, and I know I've said that about Redlands Linfield games before and look like a complete jackass on this show, and I'm used to that. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. But I, I do think it's going to be a close game, even at Linfield. Uh, and uh, no offense to Harden Simmons uh, Platteville, I, that's a big game too, for sure. But yeah. if an upset occurred in a game like that, we really would have a problem throughout uh, Division Three with that whole 9-1 pool C thing that we were just talking about. Yeah, for sure. Elsewhere, I mean, obviously, Illinois College and Monmouth, a big Region 5 game. Augsburg, Martin Luther, another kind of local rivalry, sort of in some respects, different conferences, but still. Uh, and then we've got a lot of interesting West Coast games. Claremont Mud Scripps is kind of in the lead in the Sky Act. Whitworth trying to compete at the top of the Northwestern Conference. Chapman versus George Fox. The the Foxies are 2-0. and Maybe they go 3-0. and um, And then... You know, Pomona Pitzer, Pacific, Pacific Lutheran, Laverne. Hey, got some red-eye games late night on, on Saturday if you really want to stay up late. Very good of you to uh, give us our late-night viewing options here on In the Huddle. Before we go to predictions, uh, last night on... Uh, What's the, what's the best way to say this? Uh, Rowan Radio, uh, we, we ended up with a Coach Acorsi uh, rebuttal, uh, essentially, uh, with respect to the uh, video filming situation. Derek Jones on uh, the, the coach's show uh, decided to broach the issue with him, and uh, the audio was pretty poor. We posted the transcript of it on our Twitter pages, uh, but yeah. more or less, he said, look, 
the iPad didn't end up on the field somehow. Uh, you know, probably they were calling down things we were seeing if that's the case or, uh, on the headsets. Uh, that the tablet was overheating frequently. Um, that Google essentially, if you Google this rule, you'll see all kinds of different things uh, that would point to 2016 and when they try to change the rule and everything else, which last I checked, you don't Google this rule, you probably go to the rule book uh, to see its existence or not. Uh, it's pretty easy to find. Yeah. We found it. Uh, if we can find it and we're not coaches, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> But yeah. I, so, so long story short, uh, he took responsibility for it, which is great. And we appreciate that at okay. least. Okay. Cool. So, and he yeah. said it multiple times. He would give a quasi excuse, but say, look, it's still on me. And okay, at least he kept that narrative throughout. Points for that, coach. The problem, obviously, is. Uh, I, I actually want to go to some text messages uh, from coaches last night uh, that we were sent. Um, one coach had said to me, uh, don't know what's more embarrassing uh, for the game of football. The wrong coach and his five to six different excuses for cheating. The fact that nothing's going to happen uh, to him. Uh, you know, I wish we could go back to the cut block rules of 2016. It was more beneficial. Uh, for uh, this uh, coach's offense. So many rules, uh, just disappointing. That was kind of the uh, mantra there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we got another coach uh, that uh, came in and said, of course, he's talking about 2016 rules. I'm sorry, but what? He shouldn't have spoken. Now I'm wondering if they've been doing this since 2017, since apparently it's, quote, confusing. Or why was uh, this the first game since the rule passed in 2016? They used the terminology. Oh boy! Yeah, and uh, worms opened. <laughs> somebody else stated to us, not buying it. It was never allowed at any NCAA level, and he is in. He is the NJAC rep at the AFCA meetings, so he would absolutely know. Uh, the quip about quote both oh, sides is a dagger at Springfield. I couldn't quite tell, or if it was a dagger, would be poor form. I haven't read the box score, but we'd be interested in Rowan defense in the second quarter versus the first and second half. Well, uh, they did go down 14-0 to Springfield early in that game, if I remember yeah. correctly, and had turned things around. They so, did, yeah. yep. you know, sometimes saying more is less uh, in terms of less smart for uh, your situation. I, I think in some ways he should have just said, we screwed up, let's move on. We're yeah. not going to ever do it yeah. again. I, I think the excuses actually dug him into a deeper hole because the, as they asked the question, look, you've been doing this for six years? Is that what's been going on here or what's going on? Oh, so you got to be careful with this stuff. Uh, you got to be careful in the first place. Go look at the rule book, please. But then from there, if you're caught doing something like this, Fall on your sword and move on. That's any what any uh, consultant you talk to that deals with these types of uh, PR issues would tell you: fall on the sword, move on. Get <clears throat> focus on other things. They spent an entire six minutes of that show talking about this, and <clears throat> people picked their own things to uh, pick out. We we didn't point anything to anybody. Uh, when we were uh, pointing this out to folks, they listened themselves, and that was their reactions to it. So your final thoughts wow. on this before we go to predictions? I mean, the, the coach's comments that you've rattled off kind of put it all in perspective. I mean, obviously, there's just a, 
not a lot of support or, or a lot of belief in, in um, that kind of thing. So I'm just going to <laughs> drop it because, oh, man. Oof. Yep. Yeah. So there's that. And uh, I think it might be a good time to uh, switch screens here in a moment and uh, get us to a point where we're going to make our uh, fabulous, famous predictions here uh, today. And uh, we uh, have a new uh, header up there just in case you need to nine be reaffirmed. Yeah. yeah, nine minutes, only 10 games today uh, that we've got. Uh, there's just not much uh, to. Uh, predict, but uh, if you notice the top screen there or top of the screen, JB, yeah, don't get used yeah. to it, buddy. Don't get used to it. Okay, that's all <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. So, here. Uh, hold on, we gotta get William Tell up, and uh, he, he wants to say on this whole thing. So, you know, it, it's, okay. it's a big process in this whole thing. There we go. Seems loud, and it's probably not. It's just in my ear. Uh, anyway, yep. the clock will start when you start telling it. When I start telling you about the first game, a game that I'm going to be attending. One of the two games I'll be attending uh, on Saturday. It is in Region One, Union versus Springfield, and let's get that clock rolling right now as I tell you that. Uh, look. This is not Worcester State. This is not 76-7 land, and this is not going to play out the way that you know a lot of alumni from Union College are probably hoping with last week's score in the books. Um, one, of the, one of the things that a coach had said to me uh, elsewhere about this situation is that, look, still got Andre Ross, you still got I.K. Arabor at Union, the quarterback is uh, somebody with less experience and maybe a, a couple less uh, attributes than Will Bellamy. They, they admit that much. But still, the offensive line at Union is very strong. Maybe we have underestimated them a little bit. I'm going to give Union the slight edge here, very slight edge, 28-27. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, as strong as Springfield is, and they, they gave Rowan all they could handle. The Liberty League is just a step up from the new Mac in general. I'll take Union also, but I think it's going to be close, like you said, 31-28. ASCAC uh, conference game, and you'll see we'll put the conference to the left when it is a conference game. Framingham State at Mass Dartmouth. I mean, I think Framingham's run game looked really good against Fisher last weekend. They're they just have a little too much, and I think after what we saw with the AMCATs, it's a one-horse race in the Mascacs. I'll take Framingham to win thirteen, or sorry, thirty-one to seventeen. <clears throat> it's tough. I'm going to take the uh, the proverbial upset here at home. I think UMass Dartmouth, they've got to play 60 minutes of football. Dante Avila Santos, I've said your name correctly eight times in the season for once. Please, if you don't make me look wrong here, that you can play 60 minutes of damn football, Dante. 60 minutes. I want to see some recognition of this on Twitter. I want to see it on Twitter that you are going to play 60 minutes of damn football Saturday, Dante, with your team. UMD wins. 3027. Oh, fired up. Damn. Okay. Uh, the other game I'm going to be attending on Saturday, Trans WPI. Trophy, baby. 
I've never been to a transit trophy game, I don't believe. And so we're going to try this one out. Yeah, all these years because doing I union football games. For a couple of years ago. Maybe, maybe not. Okay. I don't think I That's did. That's backyard, I? though. Okay, well, we'll look back at it. It's possible. I'll, I'll retract that. Uh, <laughs> RPI looks strong on defense. They've got to uh, get their offense obviously ratcheted up. So does WPI for that matter, though. They were a little one-dimensional when I saw them against Endicott. Low-scoring game here, 14-10, which is unusual for the Transit Trophy game. Watch it be a 40-fest, basically. Go. Uh, RPI 21-17. It's going to be close, but I think the engineers are stronger. <laughs> <laughs> But Wait, which? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? No. Wait, so who'd you pick? The uh, Rensselaer Icernias. <laughs> Gross, City of Carnegie Mellon, it's yours. <laughs> it, that's a pack game, by the way, a conference game. Yeah, the uh, the immovable force against the whatever object, whatever that saying is. I mean, great defense, amazing offense. Grove City beat Carnegie Mellon last year. I think the Tartans, though, have a little chip on their shoulder. But honestly, Frank, I don't know. I mean, they struggled to put any points on the board against RPI. I, I'm going to take the Wolverines in, in, the, in the upset, I think. It's kind of crazy to say that. But, yeah, I think uh, Wolverines win 14-7. to well, remember, though, that there were injuries that were mounting up on uh, Carnegie Mellon with respect to their running back yeah. uh, in that game and everything else. So I think they're going to be retooled a little bit this week. And that doesn't necessarily mean they can just replace him. He, he's excellent. But um, I'm going to say low scoring, but Carnegie Mellon does win this game. So we're going to split on this one, it looks like, uh, by the score of 17-14. How's that for okay. Uh, let's get uh, this uh, one done with here because uh, we've been talking a lot about it. Whitewater at Barry. Uh, it's going to be Whitewater, but it's going to be closer than last year, I think. 27-17. Yeah, yeah I'll, take, I'll take the Warhawks. Yeah, 27-14 sounds about right. Trine at Franklin. Hit it. Uh, Thunder rolls big. I think they're going to win... 49 to 28. And the thunder rolls. Is that what the uh, song was? Yeah, uh, Trine does roll here. Uh, what are we going to say? Uh, 40, 20. Baldwin Walls at John Carroll. I, I just, you know, look. Baldwin Walls, uh, you... Your uh, representative on our show, we'll just keep it that way right now, said it himself that it was supposed to be two easy games uh, to start this season. And it has not played out that way for you. Uh, it, you're one and one, and you almost lost the second one. Uh, John Carroll, also, though, not exactly looking spellbinding out there. So we will say John Carroll wins 24 20. Yeah, I'm also going to go with the team from University Heights. Um, although maybe maybe a higher scoring game, like 31-21-ish. But yeah, I'll take the streaks. I'm curious to see where you go with this one because you named this one as uh, one to watch and uh, we both named it as the game of the week. But I don't think we know too much about either one of these teams. So here we go. Illinois College and Mammoth hit it. 
Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna defer to the home team, and I know that they've had success in, in their conference over the years. They're, they're usually in the mix. Coach Cat has given us a little background on this stuff in the past, so I'll, I'll go with Monmouth. Score, uh, I don't know, like 35-21. Hold on, I, I really do have to study up on this for a second. Illinois College so far this season, 1-1, one 38-20 one, win versus Lakeland, 40-14 win uh, versus or loss, loss versus Chicago. Chicago. Yep. Yeah. Whereas Monmouth lost to Wartburg 34-7, but beat Grinnell 48-0. That tells me absolutely nothing yeah. about these teams. Nothing. Yeah, yep. Home team wins. A playoff team potentially, so yeah. Home team wins here. Uh, I would say uh, 2017. Uh, not exactly a score fest against uh, two defenses that should show mm-hmm. up for that one, I think. Redlands at Linfield. Linfield wins, but it's going to be close. Uh, that's that's my uh, theory here. Um, 30-27 in favor of Linfield as Redlands tries to bounce back, but just fail, just falls short in a game that's really a must-win for them just to get on track mentally. It doesn't affect anything for the Sky Act, but it's going to affect their mentality if they start three and or zero oh and three at this point. Yeah, uh, I'm just I'm going to roll with the Cat Dome. I think they're going to. Win 45-21. Many people's game of the week. Harden-Simmons at UW-Platteville. Both teams ranked at this point, thanks to Platteville's win versus Bethel. Go ahead. Yeah. Man, um, this is this is a big deal. I mean, Harden-Simmons has not gone on the road in, in a long time, like we said, but they have a chip on their shoulder. They, they have something to prove to themselves and the nation. So I guess I'm going to go with the Cowboys, which hasn't always worked out well for me. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I think they'll hang on in a, a low-scoring slugfest, 27-21. What, you don't want JB to ever go with you again? Is that right, Harden Simmons? Is that, is that what's going on here? Hello? What? 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 <laughs> um. So let me ask you this question as clock runs to zero here. Are you not scared that they might be looking ahead to what's happening the next week? Oh, I I absolutely am. And I think that the Pios can take advantage of that, especially on their home court. But, you know, they they did go toe-to-toe with the champs last year. They should have been in the playoffs. They crushed Wayland, whoever that is, in week one. I think they've had an extra week off to prepare for this, so... We'll see. Harden Simmons does win it. Yeah. 37-31. It's hard to pick against that. I, I could see Platteville pulling off the upset, which would make things interesting, but Cowboys are trying to prove something, I think. Give us a watch guide for uh, this Saturday. What would you watch if you had your choice throughout the day or even on Friday night for that matter? You you can include Balsam Spa High School hosting Columbia High School tonight in Balsam Spa, New York, if you would like as a Friday what to watch. Just just throwing that out there for you. The the mayor's putting that out there. And and just for anyone who's keeping track at home, the uh, quick hits that you uh, happen to contribute to is up on d3football.com so you can read all of Frank's predictions. Yeah. Whatever the... <laughs> Revelations. I mean, the biggest game, I... Yeah, I mean, it... so once again, we have a nice little spread of, of games. 
I, I think that SUNYville St. Lawrence game on Friday night will be interesting. Uh, Saturday, the Harden Simmons Platteville game is at 2 p.m. So you can tune in to some other stuff. Redlands Linfield's at four. So that the the Platteville Cowboys game will be over. You can catch the second half of that other one. But I mean, the rest of the stuff, yeah. There, it, like you said, Frank, it's a little little slim pickings. I think the best noon game is probably Muhlenberg at your sinus, just because. Your sinus gave Hopkins a, a good run for their money, and and Muhlenberg really needs to win this game to, to stay in the playoff hunt. But, but, so but wait, it, it, it's a revenge game though for Muhlenberg. They've been waiting to uh, get this yeah, one back from last year. True. This game put them behind the eight ball for the entire season last year. They know that, and they also yeah. know they cannot lose yeah. another game. Period. So, um, it, it's it's I I just don't see it as being a close game. I, I think. The the proverbial, uh, you know, spending your wad uh, has uh, occurred for your sinus in that Johns mm. Hopkins game. They're not going to catch Muhlenberg by surprise. No no way in hell. Yeah, probably not. But, um, you know, that, that, should, that should be a good one. It's cool, actually. Saturday night we got Ohio Northern at Heidelberg at 7 p.m. There's a ton of noon games and then 1 o'clock games, a lot of Nescock game just getting going um what else is there eh, you know a few few things here and there uh merchant marine hosting suny maritime at one o'clock that's interesting yep tufts is hosting trinity at 130 middlebury amherst is at two that's kind of a late kickoff for a nescat game castleton at norwich at 2 p.m frank the maple sap bucket i think is on the line how do we not pick that game but you know we've got the Got our little Norwich. friends here. Hey, Norwich. We'll see. We will see. Uh, we are uh, at a point where uh, we should be saying uh, goodbye to everybody for uh, today. But again, uh, tomorrow uh, you will see uh, me at Union versus Springfield in Springfield, then running back across uh, state lines to get to WPI versus RPI. So it's a pair of New York versus Massachusetts games, one in Mass, one in New York tomorrow. I will be on the sideline of Balsam Spa hosting uh, Columbia today uh, or tonight um, and giving them the in the huddle treatment as I promised them. They've uh, gone 2 0 has Balsam Spa, so I'm a proud mayor at this point uh, with respect to our yeah. school districts team, which has the same name. But uh, remember, the in New York, municipalities and school districts are two entirely different things. But they are Balsam Spa nonetheless. Yeah, they don't even, you should see our, your mailing address is a third different thing. That's a whole other thing, too. It, it amazes me how we. Yeah, <laughs> nothing simple in life. Our show is simp—it's going to be simply over right now. Have a great weekend. We will see you throughout on Twitter, and we will see you on Monday or Tuesday for Crunch Time for Week Three. Bye, folks. <laughs>